Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, 21-year breast cancer survivor. I'm also a mo- motivational speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Um, Sharon is off today. She's still in New York, but I guess she'll be home on Tuesday. We're hoping so. Um, and Sharon and I are the co-founders of Breast Friends. Um, today, our show is really going to be... I- I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a really huge blessing. It's about resilience. And resilience is the ability to recover quickly from difficulties. And I don't know why it is, but it just seems that some people can do it easier than others. Um, In fact, you know, we have a program at the women's prison here in Oregon. It's a self-esteem workshop. And in that workshop, we talk about a lot of different issues, including anger, fear, boundaries, and, of course, resilience. And, you know, one of the things that we teach our, our gals is that, There are many factors that lead to someone developing a greater ability to bounce back, like staying connected to others, laughing, learning from their experience instead of wallowing in it, and then remaining hopeful and, of course, finding meaning in life. And today, our guest is no stranger to resilience. In October of 2015, Nicole Osborne underwent open-heart surgery to repair an aortic aneurysm. Ugh. Six months later, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Nicole is an author and the founder of After Cancer Adventures, and I can't wait for all of us to get to know her. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Becky. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Why don't you take a minute and just kind of introduce yourself to the audience just so that they can get to know a little bit more about you. Sure. Um, So my name is Nicole Osborne. Um, I am 36. I'll be 37 on Monday, actually. So yay ah, for another birthday. year of life. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, and that's so young to have gone through everything you... Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. continue. Yeah, it's Sorry. Been a, it's been a rough couple of years, but bet. Um, my bet. family has been super supportive. Um, I've got a huge network of friends and new colleagues, and um, I'm actually a teacher. So, you are. Um, what do you teach? Well, I've taught just about everything K to 5. Um, wow. This year, I'm actually at a 6th grade academy, so I'm working with 6th graders as an interventionist this year. Wow. Well, good for you. You know, I've always admired so much our teachers and our nurses because, to me, those are the two professions that are the the paid the poorest for everything they bring to the table. And absolutely. I just absolutely love what you what you're doing. So continue on. I am oh, anyway. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, welcome. no, um, I mean outside of that I spend a lot of time with family and friends and um hobbies. I, I, I'm I love to write. I'm a writer. Um jur- I've journaled most of my journey over the last couple of years and I feel like that's helped me get to the place where I am and feeling able to share it with other people and motivate and inspire them to have that resilience and and bounce back quickly under pressure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Boy, and I'll tell you, you've been through some pressure, my dear. So why don't we kind of just jump right into it? And I know that you had, so two years ago, basically, when you were 35 then, right? Um, Yeah, I was 34. 34. Yeah. Okay. 
That's right. You're almost 37. Yeah, almost. Yeah, <laughs> on Monday. Um, so you were 34 years old. You had an aneurysm. Well, why don't, why don't we start by having you just explain to our listeners what what is an aneurysm? I mean, I know we've all heard of them. Yes. I've never really um, been around it much, so I don't really know how to explain it. But sure. I'll bet you do. Okay. So why don't you tell us about um, that? Yeah, I'll just go back to um, in 2009, I was pregnant with my daughter. And um, about five or six years before that, my dad actually had been diagnosed with an aneurysm. And so um, he found it on a regular chest X-ray, ended up needing to also have open-heart surgery and repair the aneurysm. And they had, they had said, hey, you should probably be checked for this. But I was in college, and I'm like, yeah, I don't have that. I don't need to be checked. So um, it didn't happen until 2009 when I was pregnant that I thought, you know, this might be a good time just to make sure that, I, you know, this isn't genetic and that I don't have anything going on. Um, so I went and I had an echocardiogram, which is basically an ultrasound of your heart. Um, and they said, worst case scenario, they would call me back. <laughs> they would call me back and I would have to see the doctor. And um, a couple days later, they called me back and told me I needed to see the doctor. Now, mind you, I'm six months pregnant, <laughs> so wow. I was very uh, nervous. They wouldn't tell me anything over the phone. Yeah. Um, so, is an is an aneurysm like some kind of a blockage, or what? Can you describe not. what so it the, is? The way they explained it to me is an aneurysm is basic. You can think about it basically like when you are chewing a piece of bubble gum and you start to blow a bubble. And as the aneurysm gets bigger, it's like that piece of bubble gum. So the bubble keeps getting bigger. And what happens when the bubble gets bigger is that the lining of the bubble gets thinner until it comes to a point, like once the bubble's big enough, then it pops, right? Right, right. So that's what we were looking at. So my aneurysm was a thoracic aortic aneurysm. So it was in my chest close to my heart. And um, basically, it started out at 3.8 centimeters, and we, we just had to watch it for a certain amount of time because um, mm-hmm. once it got big enough to where it could pop, then obviously we were going to need to do something because if it pops, there's really not usually something they can do for you at that point. Do so they ever resolve? Do they I'm ever sorry. resolve on their own? I, well, an aneurysm, I mean, is it something that's that a lot of people have, but they resolve, and so you don't really have to do anything? I mean, I- um, there, I will say that there are a lot of people that probably have one, and they don't even know that they have one. Um, okay. But they usually don't resolve. Now, they may not grow to the point okay. like-minded, um, but if, it, if you have one, you, you have one. It doesn't ever go away. Right. Okay. So how, com- how common is it? How common? How common is an aneurysm? What let's say the like you know they say one in eight women will get breast cancer. How many people yeah. do you, you think know, will have? I don't know, do you know that actually. Okay. Um, I, I kind of slightly remember my dad saying a very long time ago that it's like you could be at a football game and there could be fifty thousand people there and maybe ten thousand of those people have an aneurysm oh. and don't even know it. Twenty percent. So wow. Yeah. Is my um, math right? <laughs> did I, I'm not yeah, sure if I did I'm that not, math right. Don't quote me on that either because that could not yeah. be accurate. But I'm, okay. I'm slightly remembering that 
he had said something about, okay. yeah, so there's just a lot of people out there that wouldn't know that they had it unless they knew to be checked for it. So, so I, you mean, just I encourage went in. people to go do those hospital heart scans that they offer sometimes because it could even show up on something like that. Okay. So you, is so it sounds like because your dad had one, that's why you went in and got checked when you were pregnant. You just wanted to make sure you had no reason to suspect anything at that point. You just no, wanted to make sure. I was sure. very asymptomatic. Okay. I had no symptoms. Um, wow. Yeah, there was no reason for me to believe that I would have an aneurysm. But I did. <laughs> and and your your child, boy or girl? So obviously one or the other. Fifty percent chance. Yep. Okay. And so we have already had everyone in the family has been tested. Um, I have a brother, and he has a few kids, and so we've all had them take. You know, they've had echoes. Everything has come back fine. And I mean, it is something that we definitely have to watch for. Okay. Um, we foregoed the genetic testing because dad had had it and I had it and we were watching it with the echoes. So sure. um, we'll just have to continue monitoring that as, as oh. they grow. Wow. Yeah. Well, that must have been um, kind of a scary thing to be 34 years old pregnant and find out you've got the same thing your dad had. Absolutely. And um, so you lived with that for quite some time. I did. And you that kind was of 2009. Okay. Um, and so the protocol basically at that point was um, they, it was risky to do surgery. It was kind of too risky to do surgery until it had gotten to that five centimeter mark. So okay. I would either have a CAT scan or an MRI or an echo every three to six months just so we could track where we were at and if it had grown and how much it had grown. Um, and we kind of just did that over the next several years. Um, until 2015, when okay. it showed that we were, re- the echo actually showed that it was at 4.8 centimeters, um, and we ended up going ahead with a cardiac MRI that showed it was at 5.1. Wow. Yeah. So, that's, so that had to be pretty scary. So how, how did all of that, at such a young age with a young child, how did all of that impact your life? I mean, God, that just seems so frightening to me. Well, it, it was very frightening. I, I use the term hot mess often because hot mess, in the yeah. beginning, that was something that I was. I was a hot mess. Um, I ended up seeing a therapist who, um, she was faith-based, and mm-hmm. she kind of brought me around to this, uh, like, kind of brought me out of this hole if you will, and um, turned my life around, gave me a positive spin on things, helped me grow in my relationship with God, Um, and seeing that, you know, I have here today, and I've got to enjoy today, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and there's no sense in worrying about that, because that's not here yet, Um, and so just kind of started taking some leaps of faith and doing some things that I probably wouldn't have done prior to that. So I was a teacher, um, and I ended up resigning my position as a teacher and um, writing a children's book. And from there, I decided to um, open a small business where I created hand-stamped inspirational jewelry because that was something that I could take with me. It made me feel confident when I was wearing Mm it, and Mm. um, it just... I just started sharing with friends and family, and it kind of blossomed into this other thing. <laughs> so, 
So uh, that's, it was something that's that wonderful. brought me hope and joy, and that was something that I very much needed in those moments yeah. of just feeling so helpless. You know, it, and that kind of goes back to that resilience uh, message from earlier on. You know, there there are so many things we can do to to bounce back and to help us bounce back. And one of those things, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, was that it's it's about finding meaning. And, you know, it's, it we all find it in different places and in different ways. And it sounds like you found it through writing and through your jewelry and, and you know, and and obviously be having a spiritual connection yeah. just kind of gave you that that desire to do some of those things. So, well, good for you. And we're going to hear more about how people can order your jewelry at the end of the program. So I want to ask you um, a little bit more about your your surgery and all of that. So you, um, you discovered you needed surgery. And what was that process like when you needed, when you found out you needed it and then was there was it difficult for you to kind of come to terms with all that? It was hard. Um, it was in September, and we had already planned a trip to Florida for fall break. Um, okay. Here we go to fall break in October. Um, I'm in Indianapolis. I don't know if I said that. Ah. Um, but we had already planned a trip to Florida, and so we talked to the surgeon, who I didn't really get an opportunity to meet with. He meets with you the day before surgery. So, right. Um, so, yeah, we sent my records to Cleveland Clinic. There was a surgeon there um, named Lars Svensson, and that is who did my dad's surgery. Um, here in Indy, there wasn't at the time anyone that could perform a repair on my valve, which is something that I needed. I didn't want to have to replace the valve if I didn't have to. So okay. we decided to go with Cleveland Clinic, and um, their turnaround time was he saw my my um, records and said, you know, you need to get in here and we need to do this now. And so it was kind of went from, okay, let's start thinking about this to we to get in here <laughs> on the calendar. So this yeah. is, yeah, this is what yeah. we're doing. So, I, I would imagine they, it's not something they'd want to mess around with. So, right. um, so you decided to go there because that's where your dad, that's who did your dad's surgery. And I'm going to imagine that the recovery from something like that's probably pretty tough what, what was, was that like? Um, to be honest, we went to Florida, and we got back on a Saturday. The, the next day, we drove to Cleveland um, to the clinic, and my husband and I went through a three-day process of the first day is just kind of like them moving cattle. Like, you've got 300 tests you have to get done, and you got to go here and here and here and here. <laughs> Um, Tuesday, I had a, a heart cast that they were actually able to do through my wrist. Um, and then Wednesday, I met the surgeon. Thursday, I had surgery. I spent two days in the ICU, and then they moved me to a step-down unit on Saturday. I was there Sunday, and I actually drove home the five hours on Monday. Wait, no, you didn't drive. Somebody drove you, right? Well, right. No, I didn't drive. My okay. husband drove me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, this girl is resilient, but that's a bit over the top. So. <laughs> yeah. No. Wow, yeah, what a was, whirlwind. That's, it was a that's whirlwind. That's crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the physical recovery from all that, how long did that take you? Um, we were home recovering. I mean, the first couple of months were really hard. I started rehab in the beginning of December. Um, and things were going really well because up to that point for a while, I hadn't been able to lift weights or do push-ups or anything like that because that could increase the size of the aneurysm. So I was really excited to be 
at the hospital and in a program where I could lift weights and I could do these things that were, I felt like were really going to help me become healthier. (laughs) So it was really exciting to kind of be through it and feel like I just had the world at my hands, you know, like, oh, I could do anything I wanted to. Well, that that's awesome. So, I mean, that must have been a real change. And, I mean, just to know you have to go from, like, walking on eggshells, I guess, around yeah. your health, and then to suddenly have the, all this, this whole world opens up to you. And that's that had to be very exciting. It was so weird. the me- mental and emotional recovery, I'm sure that, that there was something there as well. Um, what was that like? Um, mental and emotionally, like afterwards, I think it's just kind of trying to figure out, okay, for the last five years, I've been wondering like about this day and, you know, am, you know, but now I'm alive and well, and I wasn't sure if I would be alive and well, and I am, Mm -hmm. and I've gotten through this, but it's like, now what? Now what do I, now what do I do? (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know, you knew at some point you were going to have to have surgery. So it's like, you kind of were living your life this could be your last day. And now it's like, okay, well, now it's not. I'm here and well, and now what? (laughs) You know, I I have to say, I kind of relate to that in a a very recent situation. In September, you know, I mentioned in my intro in the beginning that I'm a four-time breast cancer survivor. And the fourth time was just in September of this last year. I I went in for my routine PET scan because, you know, once you have a double mastectomy and they don't really do mammograms anymore, but I right. do have a PET scan every, you know, once a year. And and we had delayed the one from the year before because of some other surgeries I had done. So we delayed it and we didn't do it till September. And I'm so glad I waited until then because a spot had just, had kind of just surfaced in my, uh, behind my breastbone near my chest wall. And it was a recurrence from eight years before where it was in the same spot. And this time they called it metastatic disease consistent, or they called it stage 3C metastatic disease. And that scared you-know-what out of me. And um, and all of a sudden here I am battling metastatic disease. I'm thinking about my kids and making sure all my, everything's in order and doing all this stuff and thinking, you know, this might be the time that that takes me, you know, but I I don't go down easily. Right. (laughs) So, So we fought, he put me on a drug for metastatic cancer and we did radiation of that one spot. And, um, you know, I just had another scan here about two weeks ago. And lo and behold, it's gone. And the scan they did from my eyes to my thighs. And there's no evidence of cancer anywhere else. So, that is you know, awesome. my doctor my doctor said it's not, he says he wasn't as concerned about the one spot he saw as he was excited about what he didn't see. And that was cancer anywhere else. Absolutely. So all of a sudden, I kind of relate to that because I went from that place where I I was, you know, thinking that this may be it. And then all of a sudden, it's not it. And when he called me, he says, well, you did it again. And my, my son calls me the cancer slayer. So, yeah. you know, and those are all good things. But it does kind of put you in that, like you have to sw- suddenly switch your brain around from, okay, now I'm dealing with death and now I'm dealing with life. And right. and you do kind of deal with them a little bit differently. So with that said, I'm going to take us out to break and we will be back in a, just a couple of minutes. So stay tuned. Fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. 
Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Nicole Osborne. And Nicole was sharing about, in the first segment, about her the aneurysm that she had to deal with and how she recovered from that. And we were just kind of finishing up, you know, the mental and emotional recovery where you kind of go from that place where you're feeling like you're dying and then all of a sudden you're living again. And it's kind of a, a pretty big turnaround in your brain. Was So is there any, can you finish up any comments you had on that? Because I, I just think that's such a... It is such a big deal to suddenly um, turn it around. Yeah, no, I feel like after all of that stuff happened and we got through the thick of it, I was just I was just ready to to move forward and I was excited mm-hmm. about what was, you know, coming up next and trying to find something new that made me feel um I don't know, alive, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So So yeah, is that when the jewelry and, is that when the jewelry thing happened or was that all was that before that? Um yeah, that was before that. I kind of okay. just had stopped. It was just too much to, to try to sure. keep up with at that time, sure. especially in recovery and then doing rehab, which I was in doing every day. So yeah, it was like what 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 do I want to do? I don't even know because I it was it was like okay, I could do anything I want. What do I want to do now? <laughs> so well, that's that's really so. What what did you do? Because I I know well, I know there's another part of your story coming up in just a couple more a few more months. But in between that, what 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 did you do with your life during that? recovery time from your right. aneurysm. So we had recovery. Um, by January, I was feeling pretty good. 
Um, I was working out every day. I had started doing my own rehab program at home. And so I was feeling really good. Um, I was walking like an hour a day. And um, I I had just been kind of praying about some different things. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do work-wise. But I had been stuck in the house for so long. I was ready to kind of get out there and do something else. So I actually did some freelance writing for um, an educational company. Okay. Um, just for curriculum things. Sure. And sure. I was excited. A little extra pay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's I was, good. and I was excited yeah. to continue on with that. Um, but then that's when we <laughs> get to this next part where I found a yeah. lump in my left breast. Yeah. And that lump came six months after after the surgery for the aneurysm. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So they had originally told me it would take about a year to be fully recovered. And I had noticed some changes um, in my chest area, but there were so many scars and just different things that were already there from the heart surgery that I don't think I really questioned it. I just kind of thought, well, I'm working out differently than I used to, and I'm doing some different things, and they, you know, they did mess around up here a lot. (laughs) So I really didn't think too much of it. Um, Yeah. Until it was in March, late March, and we found a lump on my left breast, and it was just kind of like, oh, this has to be from surgery. Yeah, I'll bet you did think that. I yeah. I can see that. So, wow. Um, what did, I mean, what, first, was there any breast cancer in your family? There is any, not. So you wouldn't have any reason to suspect, like the aneurysm, that there might be something there. So you had no reason to suspect it. Very Although we also suspected. know that only about 10 to 20 percent somewhere in there of breast cancers are hereditary. But yes. a lot of people think that if it's not in the family, they don't feel a lump. They don't have to worry about it. But right. we, we, know, we know better than that. We so um, <laughs> that's probably a whole show all by itself. Yeah. But that's why we do <laughs> annual exams, et cetera. But anyway, um, so what did you do? What, how long did it take you to figure out something was, was not right and that well, it wasn't connected? Well, I have connected. a funny story about that. <laughs> So it was my, it was our nine year anniversary. My husband and I had been married for nine years. Um, It was actually Easter weekend. And so um, we found it on a Thursday and my doctor was out the next day because it was Good Friday. And then we were leaving to go on vacation for two weeks on Saturday. And so I ended up speaking with one of my nurses and she said, you know, we'll just check out when you get back, go into Florida, have fun. I'm sure it's nothing. Um, and so we did, we left that Saturday morning and we got to Knoxville and my husband, um, we had to stop at the emergency room. He was having an appendicitis. Oh my. <laughs> we had to have an emergency appendectomy on our way to Florida that week. Yeah. yeah. Let's just stop over here for a minute. You know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but we were able to move on and, and honestly that happening to him was a blessing in disguise because, we finished out our vacation, and oddly enough, at the end, by the end of our last week, I was having a lot of back pain, and mm-hmm. I had never experienced anything like that before, but I also thought it could be from me trying to do, you know, overcompensate for him, sure. not being able to carry things, and, you know. Well, and stress, just the stress of dealing with yeah. that, too, you know. Yeah. Was so, this lower, but, lower back or upper back? Um, it was upper back. It okay. was it was in between my two shoulder blades. Okay. Um, it was hard to take a deep breath. 
Yeah. So I know again, a lot of people carry stress right there. Something you know? wrong with my heart or, uh-huh. you know, and should I be concerned about this lump? I'm not really sure. Um, mm. And I had an appointment to see my doctor as soon as we got back on that Monday. So okay. we did. Um, everything kind of happened really fast from there. So I saw my doctor on Monday um, I went for a mammogram on Tuesday, and I actually went all by myself because we no one thought anything of it. Um, and the mm-hmm. mammogram turned into a little bit longer of a mammogram, and that turned into an ultrasound. And the ultrasound wow. t- turned into about three people <laughs> in the room, which was scary. And then mm-hmm. um, they said, you know, we're going to need to have you meet with a breast surgeon, and you're probably oh, going to need gosh. a biopsy. And so at oh. that point, it was like, okay, this is, this is not good. <laughs> Heart be still. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, after everything you just went through, and then your husband going through what he did, yes. and then this. It's like, you know, wow, when it rains, it pours, as they say. Um, so how, how did, I mean, so they, they did the biopsy, and they, what did they find when they did the so biopsy? So we met with the surgeon that same day. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it was a whirlwind. So the Monday was the doctor, the Tuesday was mammogram, ultrasound, meet with the breast surgeon, and biopsy. And they said they would have the results 24 hours later, and they did. Um, they called me on the next day and said, I'm really sorry, but you, this is cancer, and we need you to come in and see the doctor again. Mm. And so at that point, my, I mean, my world just pretty much fell apart. I was... Yeah. I threw an adult tem- temper tantrum. <laughs> it's okay, you wouldn't you're believe. I was so angry with God. I, I'm, and I'm questioning why. Like, why me? Why now? Like, I have just been so faithful. I didn't understand at all. And, and why, why he would put me through something else after we had just gone through this medical, you know, process. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this question because, you know, I, I feel very, I have a very strong spiritual leaning on all of these things too. And, you know, it is hard sometimes to understand why. And, you know, I kind of look, I I guess I look at it a little bit differently and maybe you did too once you got to this place, but you know, it's, it's easy to say, why did God put me through this? But I kind of look at it sometimes more like he allowed it. Not he did. did it on purpose, but they, you know, sometimes we're allowed to go through things because we have maybe a message or something that we're supposed to share with people. And, and I do believe that, um, you are a very, very strong young woman and you. you were allowed to go through this because you have a really amazing story to tell yeah. and what you're giving now to women and to people just in general is just a lot of hope that, no matter how bad things can get sometimes, you know, you can get through it. And it's not always easy, but that's, you're kind of living proof that that you can get through something like this. And, you know, having that, that spiritual belief and leaning on God. So tell me, how how did all that kind of come back in? How did you get through being mad at him? I guess. So I, I was. Um, we did. We were able to meet with the doctor that evening, and even though it was mm-hmm. very overwhelming, to for, yeah. I mean, to after just having my chest cut open and and everything I went through, and her saying, "Okay, you're going to need chemo, and you're going to need a double mastectomy, and you're going to uh, need radiation." Um, it, it 
it very much was I did need to find, like, okay, like what you said, just it's okay, there's a reason for this. Um, the, the verse that I tend to talk to other people about is John 13, 7, um, where it says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And, and I can tell you sitting here in, in this place where I'm sitting, I, I'm starting to understand now what he was doing the last yeah. five years of my life. And I'm definitely a stronger person. Um, Genesis fifty twenty, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that by my, by sharing my story, I'm going to be able to inspire others and, and save them. Or even yeah. if it's just, you know, you know, helping other people know what to look for and know not to be scared to ask about it, because obviously it is better to know ahead of time than it is to wait and wait and wait, and then you've waited too long. Yeah, that's true. Well, I can tell you right now, you are an inspiration. And, you know, we have a lot of people that listen to our show. And we even have a huge following in Ireland, which is very exciting. I'm not sure how that came about. But, um, you know, it is exciting, isn't it? So I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to hear your story and be blessed by it. So, So let's go back to your treatment. So you had your biopsy, you found out you needed to go in and have a double mastectomy. So and all the treatment. So how long did all that take and and what was the um, recovery like that from? I was diagnosed April 13th of 2016. Um, I started chemo a few weeks after that and I had eight, eight treatments. Um, they were every, every two weeks. Okay. Um, The treatment ended in August. Uh, we took a quick vacation because I like vacations. <laughs> <And then laughs> Sounds like came, it to Florida, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> then we came back. Um, I had my double mastectomy. Um, mm-hmm. Everything went really well, I, but I ended up getting an infection and was in the hospital mm-hmm. for about nine days, and that was not a fun experience. No, infections um, can be really but bad. thankfully, we got it turned around, and I made it home. Good. And um, We were a little bit later starting radiation than we would have liked, but... Um, I did 25 radiation treatments, which those are daily. You get the weekend off. Um, Yeah, and so then at the beginning of the year, I started on tamoxifen, um, tried that for a little while, but we ended up switching to Lupron and Arimidex. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am still taking that, uh, Lupron monthly and Arimidex daily. And um, I had my exchange surgery June 2nd of 2017. So. And the exchange surgery for our listeners refers to the implants, I'm presuming? Yes. So I, okay. when, when they went in and did the double mastectomy, they put mm-hmm. in expanders, which right. stretch okay. your skin. And okay. then um, you have to wait. Since I had radiation after surgery, I had mm-hmm. to wait six months just in case the radiation did anything sure. funny to my skin. Um, yeah. in order and to it usually those. does. So yes. <laughs> that's yeah. wise, always wise to wait. It doesn't yeah. mean it's not fixable, but it does kind of change the way things heal a little bit sometimes. So, so what was your, what was your diagnosis stage? What kind of cancer was it? So I had invasive ductal carcinoma. Okay. Um, so I'm not I really know. sure that I ever knew a stage when not, when my okay. breast surgeon talked to me, it was more like, I'm not sure that that matters as much as 
this is curable, and that's what we're going to be working towards. And I kind of liked that <laughs> that attitude. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> and yeah. it was obviously estrogen positive, which is why you're on the uh, estrogen it, reduction it therapies. So it was, and well, I was her two new negative, so I did not have yeah. to do Herceptin. Well, you know, I I was diagnosed the same. I was stage three when I was diagnosed the first okay. time. But um, it was invasive ductal carcinoma, and it was estrogen positive. And I'll never forget the way my doctor kind of rolled it out to me. He says, well, we have some good news, and we have some bad news. And I can't imagine any good news around cancer. So I said, okay, right. give me the bad news first. He says, well, you do have cancer, and it's very advanced. And, you know, it's just, it's it was big, and it had grown. Um, he says, but the good news is it's what we call garden variety breast cancer. It's the most treatable, the most curable that that's how he described it because it's the one that's the most common and so okay. there's the most research about it um that doesn't mean it's a piece of cake because mine's come back you know i got it on the other side and then it came back on that side two times after that so wow. um it's it can recur very you know it's easy to recur but it's it is the one that they seem to know the most about and have the most treatment options for so you know i guess that's the good news right and yes. um you know, and hopefully if they caught yours early and, you know, maybe they did, um, that's, but they're going for the cure and that's always, that's always a good thing. So, well, we are going to take a break here in just a minute. And when we come back from this break, I would really like to hear more specifically about how you, um, got God back into your life. Cause, um, I know that's a big part of your story and, you know, what What did you do and, and what direction then did you go from there? So we're going to go ahead and take a break. And so stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states, giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. We've been talking with our guest, Nicole Osborne. And, you know, I know that some of our listeners are probably thinking, wow, this sounds like a really religious show. Well, normally it's not, um, but I do want to just say that we honor everybody's stories. And this is a really important part of Nicole's journey. And it's been an important part of mine, too, when we think about the spiritual um, aspect of things. So I did actually ask Nicole to kind of share some of her spiritual journey with you because it is an important part. But I want to take it back to when we first actually made contact with Nicole, because I don't think there are any coincidences in this world. So Nicole, if you don't mind, would you share with our audience maybe how you, because I know you connected with Sharon first. And um, yeah. why don't you tell how that happened? Because I think that's an interesting story. Yeah, so um, before, you know, I, once you get through cancer and you get through treatment and you're used to being at the cancer center all the time and, um, you know, your life is just surrounded by all of these cancery things, um, they kind of kick you out the door and say, okay, we'll see you back in six months. And you're kind of, you're sitting there thinking, now, well, now what? What am Yikes. I supposed to do? What am I <laughs> yeah. feeling passionate about? And mm-hmm. um, there's a quote that I really like. Um, it says, work for a cause, not for applause. Live life to express, not to impress. Don't strive to make your presence noticed. Just make your absence felt. And I feel like mm-hmm. after cancer, that, that quote just really sits with me because that's, that's what I want to do. I, I want to work for a cause. And so I kind of started looking into just the nonprofit world and, you know, where, where do I think I could use my abilities to shine um, God's mm-hmm. light, you know, into other places. And so I did make a connection with Sharon on LinkedIn, actually. Um, and that's how I got connected with you guys and asked to be a guest on the show. So, Well, we're, I'm so glad that you did that because I love your story. So why don't we kind of just continue on with this story and talk about you got through all the treatments and so you finished treatment how long ago? Um, formal treatment, like with the radiation and, sure. and chemo and everything, ended December mm-hmm. of 2016. Okay. Um, my last surgery was June 2nd of 2017. Okay. And right now I just take the, the medicine afterwards yeah. to make sure yeah. that it doesn't come back. Come back. <laughs> yep. Yep. And don't don't stop taking that because it's is really helpful. Yes. So now you've kind of done that, you had that kind of conversation with God, what do I want to do with my life? So how have how have things changed for you since yeah. all of this? Okay. So I um like I said, I wanted to do something and I wasn't exactly sure what, and I, I was a teacher before, and I, I really wasn't sure I wanted to go back into the classroom, but I did want to make an impact on other people, and um, so I, I went back to teaching. I'm actually an interventionist at one of the schools that are that's close to here, where I live, okay. um, and I enjoy that every day. I get to build relationships with kids, and I think you have a completely different perspective on life. Once you've been through everything you've been through, so some of the little stuff isn't that big of a deal in the big yeah. picture, even though there are still days yeah. that I 
you know, I cry in my closet or I get mad about silly stuff. But yeah, it's a little time, easier to not sweat the picture. small stuff. Yeah, you know, that don't sweat the small stuff kind of yeah. takes on a new yeah. life. So, so what is an interventionist at school? What does that mean? Um, so I just kind of work with kids, um, try to help them in reading and math. Um, okay. I feel like I, my calling is to inspire them and encourage them to okay. believe in themselves and, okay. and have confidence that as long as they're trying their best, that's all we ask, those okay. types of things. So a little bit like tutoring, but not so specific. I mean, it sounds like it's more inspirationalist or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, sure. I, I mean, ideally, interventionists should be mm-hmm. helping kids grow in reading and math in, area, in different areas. So I'm okay. still kind of trying to figure out what that looks like. But okay. um, I work with an awesome staff, and uh, my administration is awesome as well. And, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better place to be at right now. So That's great. Good. So you, you didn't start your own nonprofit, but I understand you connected with a nonprofit. Um, well, you're working actually, with Coleman now, um, right? I've connected with several different nonprofits. Um, After I took my job, I thought, you know, I'm ready to step back out of my comfort zone a little bit. And so we created, um, right now, it's it's just like a small business. It's called After Cancer Adventures. Um, We are working on raising enough money to apply for nonprofit status. Okay. Um, And we are hoping that um, we can help co-survivors and survivors once they've gotten through cancer because obviously like I said you get done and you're just back out in the world and things are supposed to go back to normal but they really don't go back to normal like you have to create this whole new sense of who you are and what you want to do and we now know that life is short and we have to enjoy all of the moments that we have Um, that is so so true our hope is to offer networking opportunities, um, mentoring, sunshine boxes, a helpline. Wait, wait, um, wait. Sunshine box? I like the sound of that. What does I that mean? I know. How fun is that? <laughs> you know, when you get diagnosed, there's so many people that want to send you so many things, and you are overwhelmed with just stuff in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, after cancer, though, everything, I mean, I look normal. It doesn't look like I've been through anything. And so, so there are days that I sit crying in my closet. Why, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this? Where, what, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes you just feel really lost and to have something show up at your door that can make you feel sunshine. I mean, Aww. something yellow or something <laughs> fun that can brighten your day even if it's dreary and gross outside. So this is all part of After Cancer Adventures? It is. But okay. our big, we have a big whole thing, which um, we're calling the No Fear Project. And basically, we would like to be able to fund one or two survivors or co-survivors per year doing something they've always wanted to do but never had the courage to try, like skydiving or climbing or skiing or singing in front of a crowd or just different different types of things that, that I feel like once once you have that empowerment of doing something, you know that mm-hmm. adrenaline rush when you've stepped oh, off yeah. the cliff and you're just not sure what's going to happen? Well, no, I don't know that one. <laughs> never jumped <laughs> off a cliff. Like, but You have that feeling of like, oh, my gosh, I can do this. And I yeah, feel like I... if we could allow people after cancer to feel that, whether 
whether you're the person who's had the, who's had the cancer or you are the co-survivor who's lost a loved one to cancer, you need that empowerment because I feel like once you feel that, it will inspire you to kind of take that leap of faith and do your own thing. And You know, I, I can't tell you how much that impresses me because, um, you know, I think that a lot of times there are a lot of things that we have the ability to do, but we're scared to do it. And we, we have this, this kind of maybe even an unrealistic fear, you know, like you were talking about the fear of singing in front of an audience. Yes. I've always loved to sing, but getting up in front of people is really scary. And, you know, and, and I did it at karaoke. Yeah. (laughs) And now I sing with an 18 piece swing orchestra on occasion. And I have a band, a four piece band here in Portland. So you just never know where some little stepping out is going to change. But one of the things you're talking about zip lining, I did actually zip line one time. It wasn't a really big one, but I had to climb up on the little platform and Mm -hmm. they strap you in. And then that idea of just like lifting your feet and going, thats that was scary. So I got to the edge and the guy said, just close your eyes, you know, and then lift your feet up. So that's what I did. And I felt that wind on my face and I opened my eyes because then it was kind of cool. And I couldn't, I would do that again in a heartbeat. That was so much fun. Right. So sometimes it's just that minute, you just that, it's that stepping off that's so scary. But once you do it, it's, it's kind of a thrill. It <laughs> I is. love it. It's thrilling. So, and so I think then could, that gives you a purpose. You have, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I am able. I. So that's what we hope to do is to support other people who are kind of feeling that same feeling that we do after we get done. And, you know, my, my therapist that I spoke of earlier, she passed away um, of cancer not too long ago. And, mm-hmm. I mean, she changed my life. And I know the people that, take care of her and support her. I mean, those are co-survivors because then they've been taking care of people for so long and they need, they need that empowerment as well. So. And I hear you talking about survivors and co-survivors, which I know is a phrase that Komen uses and you're connected somehow with Komen in Indiana. Is that right? I have. Um, This year I was chosen to be a Komen ambassador for the race. Nice. Um, so I'm pretty excited to be able to share my story here in and around Indianapolis. Um, mm-hmm. It's Komen of Central Indiana, so we're kind of like here in the middle of, of yeah. Indiana. So, yeah, I'm excited to just share my story and get out there and help find other ways to support nonprofits. And Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I've spoken at several Komen affiliates, and including several in Indiana, including the Indianapolis one. And I, I have to share with you, I mean, I, I love what Komen has done for the breast cancer world. I mean, they're basically the reason breast cancer came out of the closet. There was a time when we couldn't talk about it. Yeah. Or, when they asked me if I had a family history, I said no, because I didn't realize that my grandmother had it and my aunt had it. I didn't know that till much later because they never talked about it. Um, So, you know, because of all the work that Coleman has done, it came out of the closet. They're the reason that we can kind of celebrate this. And I know there's some people that don't like that concept, but, um, you know, it's it's kind of built a sisterhood around all of this. And it's led to tons of research and more women surviving than ever before, which is really good. So congratulations to you for becoming the race ambassador. That's a big affiliate, as I recall. Yeah. Um, 
So that's good. Well, why don't you tell us before we run out of time, because we only have about a minute for you to tell me this, but let's talk about your book for a minute. And then I want to hear how people can get a hold of you to listen to hear more about everything you're doing. So so tell me about your book. Okay. Um, The book is called There's Something in My Basement. And believe it or not, it was written before I went through any of this stuff, but it actually is a little children's picture book and kind of my life story wrapped up in the book, whereas everybody has these fears and you let those fears kind of tell you in your brain what's going to be happening or what you think's coming up. And in all actuality, like nothing is ever as bad as you think it's going to be in your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a flooring guy one time. He says, Becky, don't put demons where none exist because yeah. I'm a worrier. And I was like, well, what if, what if, what if? And he goes, well, what if it's not? <laughs> you right. know? More yeah. times it's not than it is. So, well, that's good. So and how can people get a copy of that? And what, what age would you say is appropriate for your book? I mean, it can be used at any age, but I mean, obviously, it's probably based more elementary age. Okay. And how can people get a copy of that? Yeah, um, flowersonfootprints.com. That's my website. Say it one more time, flowersonfootprints? Yes. Okay, dot com. That's my website, and there are plenty of links there for just different ways to get a hold of me or read more about my journey. Um, Okay publications and different things like that. And then there's a link for um, buying the book if you would like to do that as well. Okay. And then is there a separate website for After Cancer Adventures or is that all? Actually on the homepage of Flowers on Footprints under Survivor, there is a link that will take you to my Facebook page. Okay. Um, And if you'd like to donate there to help us get to that 501 status, um, it is at the top of our Facebook page. Okay. Great. Well, I've been so impressed with your story. And Nicole, thank you so much for taking time to visit with us and our listeners today. Thank Um, you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And for all of our listeners out there, um, I want to let you know a couple things. We have a brand new uh, Breast Friends app. It's available on Google Play and in the App Store. So you can go to those two um, devices on your phone and our stores on your phone and pull down the Breast Friends app. It's got a lot of great information, but it's also got a, a community that, and we just are launching this. So we'd love to see a bunch of, of our listeners get involved in that. So um, that's one thing. Secondly, We'd love to have your support of our radio show. So if you like what you're hearing, and I, it doesn't matter what part of the world you live in, if you uh, go to breastfriends.org, there's a lot of really great information on the website. But at the top, there's a big blue button that says Donate. And if you have the means to do it and don't even worry about the amount, anything helps, but go online and make a donation um, and it helps support the the radio show along with everything else that we do. Um, And it's, it's really important. This is, in fact, I'm really excited because our show is actually moving to live to Wednesdays at nine o'clock starting on Valentine's day. And then it's going to repeat on the women's channel the following day. Um, So we'll be on voice America on two stations twice in a row so once on Wednesday once on Thursday and that's that's an exciting change for us and I just let you know we will be back next week until then remember there's always hope and we're here to help you find it thank you for listening to breast friends cancer support radio 
Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.